0: You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello,
1: and welcome to another episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and of One Step Off the Grid. And I'm joined, as usual, by Nigel Morris, solar industry veteran and solar analytics
0: Um, executive. I don't know how to describe you, Nigel. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good start. That'll do was, fine. Hi, was, Giles. I, I'm sorry about that, Nigel. Look, I was, um, I was just trying to
1: work out and I didn't, I didn't have your rank or serial number. <laughs> business Development Director. This Business Development Director. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Look, apologies for all our um, regular listeners. Um, we had a week off last week, or we're a week late with this one. Um, I think we're going to blame the fact that I, was, I flew down to Sydney last week and... Um, and ended up at the Sundowners uh, uh, get together in Sydney at, um, you know, Darling Harbour. Um, yeah. D- H- or King Street Wharf, I think, um, officially. And um, a couple of hundred people from the solar industry getting together, swapping tails, and. Um,
0: and, um, yeah, very interesting get-together. Don't you reckon that is one of the industry's best-kept secrets? That, that event's been going on for ages, um, uh, and, and the two guys who organised it always seem to pull in several hundred really fascinating people. Everyone just socialises and networks. It's a wonderful little event. I reckon every state should have one. Well, they probably should look and it wasn't always
1: this way i've got to say i, I went to um some of the fir- very first ones and i think there was a couple of 50 there's about a dozen people in there sort of looking hopeful and trying to make friends yeah. and um you know
0: maybe the solar industry might one day take off um but um, but has it what <laughs> has it ever has it ever and all sorts of interesting people from related industries not just solar. you get you know people who are interested in the space now as well so it's always good fun Yeah. Well, look, um, pretty interesting stuff. Now, look, um, one of the things that happened since we
1: last talked um, was the election in South Australia. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, Jay Weatherall lost and Labor after 16 years in power is no longer in government. Mm -hmm. That leaves us with Steve Marshall from the SA Liberals. Really interesting last week, just the... uh, We actually had a record week of traffic on Renew Economy last week. And the main reason was the stories that we had about Steve Marshall and would he or wouldn't he... Continue with Tesla's um, power plan for a virtual power plant. And this is really interesting. So, Tesla went to Jay Weatherall before the election or a couple of months ago as part of this renewable technology fund, proposed this thing with 50,000 homes having five kilowatts of rooftop solar. Tesla uh, battery of course because it's their idea all linked to create a virtual power plant but what was really interesting about this was the focus on low-income households and the ability for most of them to get zero cost in exchange for having a 30% cut in their um, bills plus having this resource which you can actually use for network efficiency or network support and um, and helping to meet peak demand now the liberals have had their own plan it was kind of a different one it was uh, and one of the problems was it was kind of like for the people who already had solar it was a grant it was means tested but basically if you're going to buy a battery and you get two and a half thousand dollars off you still need the capital to buy the rest of the battery so it probably wasn't something that was available to low-income households and he sort of said well no, that's not part of our plan and it just went off and the reaction was just huge and it's interesting one because i i think it's it's really important people are very keen I think for some of the smarter systems to go in there that um, help out low-income household people and two it just highlights to uh, Steve Marshall and his team I think just how popular renewable energy is in South Australia and despite all their rhetoric coming into the election they simply can't proceed with that and they're going to have to be as
0: moderate as some people tell me they really are away from the politics it's going to be interesting to see (laughs) it is it is and and there was another article i i I read briefly this morning which came out over the weekend again highlighting the differences in in uh, some of the more uh, well some of the political views that we see out there um, who who seem to be in denial about what the polls are saying and the popularity of this stuff It, it really it blows my mind, but I, I, I get the sense looking through some of what you've written about this issue, Giles, that you know, Marshall's maybe now sort of coming up to speed, right? And he's realizing, hang on, this is this wasn't a bad policy option. <laughs>
1: Well exactly, I actually got a call from um, one of his senior advisors saying
0: hang on a bit, hang on a
1: second, we didn't kind of <laughs> mean that and um, you know we're not complete ignoramuses and uh, we mm-hmm. gonna have a look at this so that was pretty interesting. Um, now this was followed today by a poll in, South, in Victoria which pointed that um, the more that the Liberal opposition there, um, they've got an election at the end of this year which is also going to be important, the more that they dis-renewables the less popular they become so mm-hmm. that's going to be interesting. But look, some people can't help themselves. And I guess we're speaking of the uh, Coalition's backbench, ch- Chairman of the Backbench Committee on Energy and Climate, Craig Kelly. Look, you got pretty annoyed with some of the posts he did. One was, I think, gloating about the South Australia result. Two, about the size of the solar subsidies. I saw a couple of others just plainly ridiculous about the fact that you know a bit of snow fell in Europe therefore climate change um, <laughs> must not be true and we're about to head to, 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 to a record
0: ice age. Um, look, it's pretty frustrating. It's it's um, it's more than frustrating, I have to say, Giles. Um, I'm actually flabbergasted uh, that a politician, uh, you know, Craig Kelly's obviously an intelligent man. Um, he's obviously a highly experienced politician and he's entitled to his view Uh, So, where I get really frustrated is what he is saying on his Facebook page in particular is nothing short of misinformation. He is spreading false information and cherry picking facts out to suit his political argument that ultimately end up confusing people about what the truth is and I can't help wondering how is it that a politician such as Craig Kelly MP cannot be held accountable for this and 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 I'll go one step further I, I I've been caught up in jumping into the debate to to challenge some of the numbers and to challenge some of the assertions and say hang on here's some data here's some more facts here's some more facts here's some more facts and the debate suddenly goes quiet when you start presenting alternative facts that don't you know from this point of view it's so where, appalling
1: yeah well look I think what they've done is actually sort of taken the truth and stuffed it down the front of the trousers like uh, some well-known Australian cricketers have done over the last couple of days um, <laughs> and, they've, and they've refused to take it out um, <laughs> Look, I actually had a bit of—I actually had a bit of fun um, a couple of weeks ago. I did my first appearance on television and got an invite on Sky News, of all places, yeah. where I was invited to engage with the Institute of Public Affairs um, over nice. the future of renewables in South Australia, and nice. it was interesting. And they threw up basically the same sort of stuff that um, Craig Kelly's thrown up. Uh, about the level of subsidies, which is perfectly ridiculous. They've done this massive miscalculation, probably multiplied the size of the subsidy, possibly tenfold, but at least sixfold, and, um, and made it look quite ridiculous. And it was just interesting, I actually had a lot of fun um sort of rebutting his uh comments my only uh, frustration was that i didn't actually have a monitor where i could see his face like all, all i could stare at was a camera and um <laughs> it was going to cost me a thousand dollars to get a um a
0: recording of the whole thing from sky tv so there you go <laughs>
1: Well, I hope, yeah. that,
0: I hope he's held to account because um, it's p- perfectly reasonable to express views, perfectly reasonable for him to have an opinion, but he is a Member of Parliament. For him to be able to get away <laughs> with spreading misinformation is is wrong. It is yes, wrong. Yes, I know, Nigel, but I hate to break
1: this to you. They've been doing this here and in other parliaments for bang on a decade and yeah. probably a lot more. Yeah. So, um, Well, it's time yes, things change,
0: Giles. It's time well look things
1: might be changing ever so slowly it's interesting um both the australian energy market operator and the australian energy market commission have put out reports over the last couple of weeks and what's interesting is just the level i mean look they talk about the normal sort of you know the pace of the energy transition and things like that and the uptake of wind and solar and the need for storage and reliability and security and all that and that's all well and good what's particularly interesting though is their forecast for the take up of rooftop solar and distributed mm-hmm. generation, yep. which is the kind of sort of, you know, solar plus storage thing that Tesla wants to do in South Australia. And um, really just sort of talking about how that's going to, well, not dominate, but look, it's going to account for 30, 40 or even 50% of all demand. So they've really got to get their mind around this very, very quickly and how to encourage this. and. It was interesting to know the Grattan Report um, Institute report coming out today talking about the need to write down the value of network assets, and that's does reduce the prices. And one of the things they wanted to do wanted to do that for is actually to bring the grid down, so it can actually compete with these new technologies. Because one of the problems with the grid, as we know at the moment, is that it's just too expensive. And we haven't learned we haven't heard a lot about sort of you know grid um, defection in recent months or a year, but clearly it's got to be top of mind because unless the cost of electricity can come down below what it is now, 40 cents a kilowatt hour, then the combination of solar and storage is going to kill it um, Mm -hmm. if it's not already doing so. Indeed. Indeed. Now, a couple of other things you want to talk about. Um, Now, you've got some more on crap solar
0: yeah what have you found well look there's not a week that uh, goes by when something doesn't pop up and um, yeah this week uh, just another example to remind consumers and indeed to remind resellers of of how to be careful and how to you know what to compete with that's out there so an example i saw this week um, was in fact uh, quotations that were sent to a friend Um, they got two quotes the first point that i'd make is when i say quote i mean a pretty basic email Right. So this is this is someone who's prepared to spend five, six, eight thousand dollars, and all they get is a very basic, very simple email. I wouldn't spend that money based on just that as a quote I'd be looking for more information and whenever I do public seminars and I did one just last weekend I'm always saying to customers one of the rules is get a good quote you judge the company on the quality of the quotation that you're sending don't, don't go and accept just a simple email that someone's uh, uh, written up secondly in that same email it was a, a, a classic overinflation of the quality story we only use tier one we only use tier one top quality leading brands blah 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 it was so transparent and see-through perhaps to someone like me less so to a consumer but you just can't take things that Craig Kelly says or you get on emails from solar companies necessarily for granted. Uh, the, the other one that really caught me, and this is a classic trap uh, that some of these companies are applying, is you say, okay, I've got a really cheap quote for solar. That looks fantastic. S- says, see terms and conditions. I went and read the terms and conditions and guess what the terms and conditions said, Giles? They said, oh, if the system isn't installed by December 31st, 2017, please note an additional $1,000 fee, a a fee applies. Presumably this email came in 2018. It certainly did, it came Uh through last week. So they were knowingly sending out a quote, trying to dupe someone in with a low-hanging or a a low-cost quote, and then right at the end of the day, they were gonna slug them with an extra grand. And as you dug further, you found metering was excluded, all sorts of other things were excluded. So this cheap, with this quote that appeared to be unbelievably cheap on the surface of it, uh, actually had all these inflators already built in. On top of that, it was from a company that had only been in the market for nine months. Um, yeah, well,
1: buyer beware. And um, yes, if, if it is too cheap, it's too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. But look, there's some better news here, Nigel. Um, this is a study from the, um, oh, God, look, I always get the name wrong, the ATA. Remind me who their the proper name because
0: I would get it wrong all, all The, the Alternative. Technology, Technology, Technology association, association. Yes. great guys. Yeah. Been at it for years and years and years. Great mob. And they know their stuff. Now they've got an interesting
1: conclusion here: a bigger system is better than a smaller system, and more rapid payback. Why
0: is this? Bigger is better. The, the, the short version is that now, with the cost of PV where it is, and with feed-in tariffs where they are in the vast majority of situations what they are finding in their, what they found in their study and we see the same thing in our data all the time it just makes sense now to pretty much put on the biggest solar system you can fill your roof up and at the public seminar i did on the weekend i get this question a lot what size should i put on and i say you know what these days a upgrading your system at a future date is fraught right we see problems all the time with changing standards and the original installers gone now and you've got this inverter and you can't easily add another one and you put your rebate at risk or whatever else. So upgrading really is fraught so I wouldn't, I don't think that's practical and, and these guys kind of highlighted that and they also highlighted that nowadays with the value of exported energy where it is. Uh, Even though it's not at parity with grid energy, it still makes sense to just fill your roof up once, put the best gear on that you can. Don't worry about how much you're exporting or how much you're self-consuming, and it makes financial sense. It hardly changes the payback. That's really interesting. Look, and I
1: guess that makes sense in the in in the um you know, if, if you think about it,
0: if you're getting someone
1: over there and they're doing through the installation cost, which is probably going to cost, you know, a grand or two grand or however much it's gonna be, um, you might as well get them to put as much in as they can over that time because um, That's right. It's an incremental costs, yes. it's an
0: incremental cost then and 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 the price for right. what comes down as you go larger. Yeah, and even if you're getting a dud outcome for the exported solar,
1: let's say $0.10 a kilowatt hour, well, basically, um, you'd have to go for a pretty expensive system not to get a cost of energy of $0.10 a kilowatt hour in solar. So you'd probably be
0: ahead. That's right. Even with that. And you also prepare yourself. If you don't put batteries on, you prepare yourself for the batteries because you need that excess energy. Or indeed, you prepare yourself for for your EV when you're ready to buy an EV in two or three or four years time. And of course, we know everyone will be doing that. We do indeed. Hey, look, before we get into EVs, because I think we do want to get there, um, just a
1: brief stopover through some updated um, developments in battery storage.
0: What can you tell me about that? Yeah, an interesting one. Um, there's been quite a lot of talk about um, um solid state batteries and 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 the work that's been going on in solid state batteries and there was an announcement made that a company out of the u.s um backed by a very very big tech company who's been at this for some years have announced they're going to finally hit production this year it's only small scale production but they're getting ready to launch a lithium silicon battery so it's got a protected metallic lithium film thin film anode and the key thing there is they're removing or replacing some of the more volatile materials that are typically used in the anode part of a a lithium battery which have some risk of fire in uh, in the worst case scenario and so A, they're making the battery safer and B, what this also does is um, allows really high power density so more kilowatt hours per kilogram. Now that's perfect for the EV space initially, um, which is not necessarily going to translate into benefits for homeowners, but of course, what we know is the more EVs that get made and the more economic EVs become, the more the world of batteries scales up and and the flow-ons will come to consumers. So early days, but really interesting to see this starting to talk about going into production later on this year. Okay, okay. Hey, look. Just before we get into electric vehicles,
1: I just want to give a bit of a shout out to one of the companies. Now, look, this this podcast is sponsored by Solar Analytics, and we're very grateful to them. But I don't usually sort of pick someone to sort of um, else talk about. But I just thought I'd mention Selectronic, who have been around for years and years and years. And last week, sort of um, celebrated their two hundred thousandth installation. And I thought that was a pretty good milestone. From what a milestone! Australian company. Australian company,
0: Australian yep. company too. They've been there since day one. Great bunch of guys yeah look hey let's get them on the uh, podcast it's electronics people if you're out there yeah
1: come on contact us come Come on on come on (laughs) come and have a chat um
0: look electric vehicles um what's going on here you've got some news on that as well um I do, I do. Um, so firstly, let's talk about today and um I'm well, gonna Well talk... the
1: big news today was Renew Economy has announced that it's looking for a writer to write about re- electric vehicles.
0: I and saw that. Things. I saw that. <laughs> Have That's... you put in your application Nigel? Yep, <laughs> I just clicked I clicked pick me, Giles, pick me. If I didn't love my current job so much I'd be there, but um I do love my current job. Um the, the second big news for today after the fact that you're hiring someone to talk about electric vehicles is some of the awesome stuff that's going on. In terms of today, um, this year is really interesting because what is happening is it's shaping up as, having, as being the year for uh, a record number of electric motorcycle announcements. Now, I know everyone says, oh, why is he talking about electric motorcycle announcements again, or electric motorcycles at all? Here's why. Electric motorcycles don't require very much battery capacity. They also um, tend to suit uh, the, the the use in many countries, particularly places like China. So they are rapidly becoming um, th- potentially the biggest market for EVs in the world, bigger than cars. Um, yeah, maybe that smaller is better in this application. And um, so we've seen incredible announcements coming, manufacturer after manufacturer, new ones, old ones. As an example, Harley-Davidson, they did a, a, a global test a few years ago. They've announced that they're going into production this year and have made an acquisition and in made an investment in an EV motorcycle startup this year to grab their technology, which is very cool. So Harley are definitely on the way. Well, that
1: is actually great news because I don't see many Harley-Davidson's, but occasionally pass through my, pass my house in packs of about 100 mm. and they make an absolute racket.
0: Mm, that's right. And it'll be really great to see... I mean, Harley are an old manufacturing company. They've been doing this for a long time. And for them to make this pivot is is proof that something has really shifted, right? So it's a really, really important thing. It's also great to have that much oomph and history and brand strength and everything else behind it. Um, other ones have made announcement. Yamaha came out this week and announced a very exciting trials bike. Trials is a motorsport competition with those guys who can jump rocks and do all sorts of amazing things. Electric motors and electric batteries are are perfect for that application because you don't need to go far, you're going very slow, you need responsiveness, and Yamaha have come out with a really interesting bike uh, that's going to compete, I think, very, very well. Um, Kajiva are a brand that motorcyclists would know. They've been around forever. They've been latent for a long time. That brand is going to be relaunched uh, as an electric brand. So here's an old brand being revitalized, relaunched, new application. So now there are more than 30 brands of electric motorbikes in the world. There, there are really only sort of four or five who are really kicking it, um, putting aside the Chinese scooter guys of which there are hundreds of thousands. But um, it, it, there are about 30 brands out there. And on top of all of this, there was also an announcement made um, a couple of weeks ago about the electric Grand Prix, sorry, the Grand Prix motorcycle racing calendar, like Formula One of motorcycles, if you like, from uh, this year, they're going to start trialing an electric class, and they will have a full electric class, a single brand, starting to roll out like they're doing in Formula E. So even um, the world of uh, top echelon world of motorsports in motorcycles now is going after electric as well.
1: That's interesting. So buy electric vehicle companies, sell earplug companies. (laughs) Yes. Get your, now get your investment advice that's here. That, that's a hot tip. Get onto your broker very, very quickly um, that, that, that is... because this, this opportunity may not last long. That's right. <laughs> um, look, you've got another little story about the Enfield neoreon No, I uh, haven't got the spit. I haven't got that right, have
0: I? Yeah, uh, it's something like that. Look, th- this is this is just an amazing little story that I stumbled across uh, again in the last week. I'm going to try and paraphrase it right down. So. It's 1973. Um, there was a, a little electric car uh, that had been developed by Enfield automotive in the in the UK they were, they were trying to develop this car in the Isle of Wight um, um, they were kind of doing it through the 60s um, but during the late 60s the company was brought out by a Greek millionaire called John Galandris. Uh and uh, a number of things happened the energy crisis came and the British electricity council um, announced a contest to design an electric v- urban vehicle this is in the 70s remember you they got proposals from all all sorts of people but ultimately Enfield won um, now this was very cool they just they, they were able to uh, get a production run of a hundred vehicles and go into production and and so forth and so on but what got really interesting here is that John Galandras who was Greek decided that he wanted to manufacture the car on a little tiny island of Greece it was called Syros and he renamed the company Enfield Nurion um, they said about hand making the these cars, you know, there are photos of the the, the workers beating the aluminium case and doing all the. Sorry, kind of was
1: it thing. was this was this a lifestyle thing? Choosing to manufacture a um, a, a
0: car on the island of on a Greek island. Oh, <laughs> ah, I'll come back to that. I'll come back because that's where the story gets really really interesting. It, you know, weighed it weighed almost a ton. Uh, it had six kilowatts of electric power in the motor, which is about the same as you can get in a in a bicycle today. Uh, it'd do seventy five k's an hour, and you know would trundle around town town. But what emerged in this story was that one of the origining, original uh, technical directors of Enfield uh, has sort of opened up about what had really happened and here's what he said. He said, after I concluded uh, that the contract had been awarded, uh, Mr. Galandris made a secret agreement with the oil companies not to produce uh, the, the car in exchange for long-term tanker contracts. So the deal was The guy who bought this electric car company owned a fleet of ships, tanker ships. And he did a deal with the oil companies to say, well, sure, if you give me oil contracts for shipping, then I won't build this electric car. And to make it not so obvious, what we'll do is, we'll just move to production to an island where it'll never make sense, and we'll tie it all up in complexity and everything else. And they basically destroyed the company. And uh, uh, so what's happening now is these admissions are coming out about the fact that this was one of those true stories about who killed the electric car. I think it's wonderful to look back at history and see what's been going on and, and um, you know uh, what a terrible uh, tragedy it was that the Enfield-Nurion uh, never made it to uh, the future. What a cracking
1: story, what a cracking story and the tragedy of it is is that those sort of deals probably still happen right now even if it's not as dramatic as that it probably is still the case that they um, that, that people are striking deals not to do something in exchange for something else. I think it's almost certain.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And, and, you know, we've only got to look back at history sometimes to be to be wary of what's going on today. Well, I don't think they can kill the electric car now, Um, even though we had an interesting story today
1: about how some of the US car makers and some of them came out and saying, oh, how they are going to embrace the electric vehicle and do all of this and roll out God knows how many things. But they've also hired a climate denial guy, um, lobbyist to try and push back on some of the vehicle fuel standards mm. in the US mm. I'm trying to make them as weak as possible and this mm. is despite the fact that they're going into electric vehicles. so they're still playing both sides of the equation here and um, they are. but um, look I do think the economics are going to win out um, sooner rather than
0: later so I think that's going to be interesting. It sure is. And, and you know, when you look at the challenges that we're facing in the network in Australia today, why, is it, why are they such big challenges? They're big challenges because for decades we've been battling to convince these people that this is ha- it's not going to happen, it's happening. It's happening yeah. now. It's going on now. So we need to really get on board and address this and, and catch up and look at the opportunities that it presents and not just stick our head in the sand. And you know what, Charles? It's still happening It's why well. I'm so frustrated with Craig Kelly and the other guys. You know, we're not trying to destroy the world. Actually, what we're trying to do is create a new industry and create new jobs. And guess what? It's gonna happen. It's well,
1: it's, it's and it's going to win on 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 basic economics and, and, right. and technology. I think so, right. but there is resistance to be overcome. Look, I think we've just quite nicely done the full circle here, Nigel. So, um, look, I think we might just wrap up there and um, possibly come back um, after Easter. That sounds like a great idea yeah well look thank you once again for for joining us and um thanks to all our listeners as well thanks to solar analytics to who sponsor us and if viewers or listeners do have um have got some feedback then please do so please leave a review please tell your friends and um thanks once again Nigel thank you Giles bye now
0: Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. By navigating the changing energy landscape, Solar Analytics helps increase solar performance and saves money. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.